Welcome to Zero Brightness, a podcast about horror video games. I'm Ali Jafar in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm joined by my friend James Woodard, all the way in San Antonio, Texas. How's it going, James? Deep in the heart of Texas. Oh, yeah. Yeehaw. <laughs> Dude, he... Yeehaw, everybody. He is going to ride till he can't no more. I haven't heard that song yet. You haven't? How? I've, <laughs> I've purposefully been avoiding it. Do you not live around... Dude, I told you, man. I purposefully avoid this pop stuff. Do you not live around other people, though? Like, you don't hear it coming out of cars and shit? Uh, I live um, three floors underneath the earth. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> all right well yeah <laughs> i mean my neighborhood you kind of just go out and walk around and just coming out of people's cars you hear all of like this year's pop music and all of last year's pop music because like our hip-hop stations are not very good so <laughs> <laughs> well i used to be a high school teacher and if i still taught high school i would know exactly what that song is but. you know it's not that bad really I saw pictures of the dude, and he has really cool style. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So Anything like rhinestone cowboy suits, like, I'm super into it. <laughs> I've been listening to that, that Twin Temple band, that satanic duop band. Oh, yeah. And they, they do the same thing, like the rhinestone cowboy jacket with the upside-down crosses and satanic imagery. Yeah. No, that's where it's at. I love it. Well, hey, speaking yeah. of satanic... Satanic imagery. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Today we are doing the Dark Lorm's work and speaking <laughs> about the new Castlevania game. <laughs> it's called Bloodstained Ritual of the Night for some reason that nobody knows, but it's a yeah. Castlevania. Castlevania 2 Bloodstained Symphony of the Night. Yeah, they did a Castlevania. They castlevania the shit out of this Castlevania. Yeah, right? And so, yeah, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, you already know, but I'm going to tell you, it's the new game directed by Koji Igarashi, who was the mm-hmm. series director of Castlevania for a certain specific era of the series. Not the whole thing. The good years. You know, well, that's kind of contentious. <laughs> I mean, I, that's what I think. But, um, so let's talk about Castlevania, please. So the Castlevania series is a very, very long running, uh, series of 2d side scrolling action adventure games. We're not going to talk about the 3d ones cause they don't count. What, what 3d ones? <laughs> Correct. What? <laughs> so there are two Maybe now three, but there were two distinct periods of Castlevania history. The first is the original games, which were most famously on the NES and Super NES, although they appeared on mm-hmm. other platforms in the arcade. Um, yeah, MSX, yeah. Vampire Killer. Yeah. And like in the classic period, they were level based, side scrolling 2D action games that would continually get small doses of adventure and RPG elements injected into them. And then in 1997, <laughs> Castlevania Symphony of the Night came out, and that essentially kicked off the whole second period of Castlevania history. Um, and that was Koji Igarashi worked on Symphony of the Night and then became like the series director after that. 
What Symphony mm-hmm. of the Night did that was so groundbreaking and different was that it opened up the entire castle so it became an open world game and it also let you level up your character and change equipment like you would in an RPG. Um, and not just the little hints and bits of it that had appeared in previous games, but like full on RPG bullshit. Like suddenly you can grind, you know? Totally. And totally. the whole rest of the series from then until 2011, when they just kind of stopped making them, uh, followed that template. At least the good ones. Right. There, as we mentioned, there are actually some 3D Castlevanias where they tried to do something different and they're all failures to various degrees. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yep. The most famous one was the first one actually for the Nintendo 64, which was just entitled Castlevania and woof. Uh, That one is Mm -hmm. real bad. The ones after it, there's a couple for the PS2 and there's a couple for the like 360 PS3 era. And they're just whatever. Like, they're not terrible, but they're not Castlevania aesthetics aside. Right. They're almost like button mashy God of War clones in a certain way. Yeah, there really isn't anything there. I mean, I guess if you were just like super, super horny for a 3D Castlevania, you could <laughs> you could play the last one, which was called Lords of Shadow, and that game's okay, but... I don't know why you would be. I mean, like Castlevania fans are kind of like notoriously old school in terms of taste. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was even alluding to earlier is that in those two distinct periods of Castlevania history, traditionally the first period was seen as like the real classic Castlevania. Like everybody loves symphony of the night, but it was generally accepted that it's like, you know, the super Nintendo uh, Castlevania four was like mm-hmm. kind of like the peak of the series, you know, or people would talk about like Ron- yeah. Rondo of blood, which is kind of the right. tail end of that era. And then people would go further back and talk about how the NES ones were amazing, which I mean, they're really good games, but it was kind of a split, you know? Yeah. Three was dope. Nobody talks about Castlevania bloodlines, but that game is super dope. And yeah, Rondo of Blood is like one of the best 16-bit action games you can play. Yeah, absolutely. It's just that I think for people maybe with a little bit more modern sensibility or who are just into different stuff, like that whole second era of Castlevania is like the shit, you know? Yeah. 16-bit Castlevania is gangsta no matter how you cut it. Yeah, exactly. But that's also what's so cool about Symphony of the Night. Like it was a big change for the series but at the same time it still had 2d sprite based graphics it was still side scrolling and to me at least when i was a kid playing that game that's why it was so mind-blowing because that was also at the time when everybody was super into 3d it was basically like 32-bit 2d at its pinnacle like there wasn't anything better in terms of like pixel art right Well, and it's easy to take it for granted now because the whole Metroidvania genre is so huge and it encompasses so many games, but... You know, side note, total bullshit, this whole Metroidvania thing, because fucking everybody says Super Metroid invented this genre, but I know that Wonder Boy 3 invented this genre. 
on the Sega Master System because I played that shit when I was like four years old. Yeah. And so these fucking people are wrong. <laughs> this is revisionist history. This is fake news and I will not stand for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Castlevania. It's Wonder Boyvania. Yeah. Not Metroidvania. <laughs> Castlevania 2 introduced a lot of RPG and exploration elements as well. Um, and actually, there I listened to an interview with the creators of Hollow Knight, which is a really, really fucking mm. good um, Metroidvania game. Mm-hmm. And they cited their biggest influence as Fazanadu for the NES. Oh, I always thought it was Faxanadu. Yeah, I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple. There's another game called Legacy of the Wizard. Have you played that? Yeah. And that's very Wonder Boy-vania-y also. Yeah, it's like these ideas were out there and even like yeah the original metroid also has that kind of feel to it i mean this stuff was kind of out there i mean metroidvania like it's a dumb genre honestly i mean it's just a stupid name but also is like shmups (laughs) and walking simulator yeah and hide em ups yeah (laughs) i mean this could go on for hours. Every genre name is stupid. You know what I mean? It's, it's almost like metal bands, like all the metal subgenres. Oh, my God. Yeah. If you ever start <laughs> listing those to someone who doesn't listen to metal, like you can feel their eyes glazing over. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever seen mapofmetal.com? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's incredible. It's just like this huge like spider work of all these metal subgenres. Everybody should check it out. Right. Well, yeah. and... It's funny, too, because in these sort of chimeric hybrid genres are the ones that most quickly start to feel completely meaningless, you know, like hmm. just because they're so ridiculous and because it's a chimera, someone could look at it and say, oh, it's this, you know, it's not that. Right. I think with the- well, it also instills like sort of like a taste prejudice also. Right. Like, because I hate games. Like, if you market your game as a roguelike yeah. or roguelite, I immediately hate your game and I don't ever <laughs> want to play it, you know? Absolutely. I agree. And it's kind of a problem with genres across the board. But yeah, the Metroidvania one is funny because I think it came about because there were games that were really, really digging deep into the Metroid style right mm. like they were set on spaceships you were a humanoid figure in a space suit there were aliens and they would borrow elements of the music and all this kind of stuff so it made more sense that i'm thinking specifically of like axiom verge you know mm. something like yeah. that that was basically metroid 4 or whatever yeah yeah exactly yeah. and now it's being applied to games well for example like hollow knight and it starts to feel like yeah. eh, no because a hollow knight is fucking incredible and b it's like there's so many different influences like it has it's the aesthetics are gorgeous and they're super super Mm -hmm. dark and well done um well even games like ori and the blind forest yeah same deal you know right And, and you know in those games there's a lot of modern influences and then there's you know less currently popular influences like you know those sort of obscure nes games we're talking about or obscure 8-bit games that we're talking about and Mm -hmm. yeah it starts to make that whole category feel really limiting but you know it's interesting that i even feel like thinking of bloodstained as a metroidvania game is super limiting if symphony of the night is the blueprint bloodstained is 
95% close to that blueprint. Well, you know, what actually struck me is that I don't totally agree with that. And I, okay. as I was looking around at people's reaction to this game, I was like, how many of these people have not played the Game Boy Advance Castlevania games? Well, okay, I have not. So Okay, you're who I'm looking at, dude. <laughs> like, okay, so little bit of serious history here. Symphony of the Night comes out. It totally blows uh-huh. the genre open. It's a huge hit. Everybody loves it. And Konami... I loved it. Yeah, I got yeah. it at Best Buy on release week. Oh, shit, dude. Yeah, yeah. that's dope. Uh, I was all into it. Yeah, I was given a copy by this gross guy that my sister dated, and then I just never gave it back. Uh, <laughs> so, fuck yeah. Sorry, Brent. Um, womp womp. <laughs> but, so, Konami, sensing that in the future they would, you know, need some achievements in order to call themselves the worst company in the world, uh, <laughs> pulled what may have been one of the earlier Konami moves and decided to just not follow it up. Like crazy after symphony of the night, there is not another 2d, uh, Castlevania game on a console. Well, that's not super true. Right after that, they released the Castlevania collection, which had two older games on it. Yeah. On PlayStation one. But yeah, there's no new stuff. Yeah. Right. So they, they didn't make a new 2d entry on a main console ever. And what they were focusing on with console releases for the entire rest of the series was trying to bring the series into 3D. So what the developers who wanted to still work on Castlevania games started doing was making Symphony of the Night style games for the Game Boy Advance and then later the DS. Mm. Um, So the three Castlevania games that are on the Game Boy Advance are fucking incredible like if you haven't played them you need to figure out a way to play them right the fuck (laughs) now because they are so 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 goddamn good it's disgusting and what's cool about them is that each one essentially took the symphony of the night outline and then added different ideas and mechanics along the way so the first one is called circle of the moon and beyond just not having like a Belmont in it and having like a really different cast of characters and all that. Um, Mm -hmm. What's interesting about it is that it has like a card based ability system and it sort of asks you to like equip and juggle abilities, which is something that would carry on into the other games. Um, It's also super fucking hard, which is pretty cool (laughs) because I think it's like, it's way harder than like even symphony of the night. And hmm. so it's actually kind of a nice challenge if you like Castlevania games and like them to be a bit challenging. The second one they made is called Harmony of Dissonance. And Harmony of Dissonance is interesting because, first of all, they were like, gamers want more Symphony of the Night. Let's give them more. So they have a main character who looks exactly like Alucard. And <laughs> they kind of geared things to be a little bit more Symphony of the Night. However, the game has an insane visual style. It's like all these day glow, super bright colors. Uh, I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think my guess was that um, it was because Circle of the Moon was way too dark because it came out before the Game Boy Advance had a backlight and it was all. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all blacks and browns and it's really hard to see. Harmony of Dissonance is like eye searing, but it ends up being really, really cool. (laughs) So it's like 
Whenever you go into a subterranean cave, it has this like Cronenbergian, like fleshy appearance rather than just being like ice or stone or something like that that you'd more traditionally nice. see. Uh, yeah, that game also has like an ability system. Um, the main character, Just, is uh, very, very. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He's French. He's uh, very, very agile. He's super fun to play as. He also has a little room that's all his own, and he can decorate it with furniture he collects. And I love it. It's it's very fun. It's like Harvest Moon. Um, yeah. <laughs> Animal Crossing for your <laughs> Castlevania. Yeah. Oh, great fucking game. But the third one is Castlevania Aria of Sorrow, which is my favorite one. Mm-hmm. And that's the one where they came up with the ability system that's in bloodstained oh okay basically abilities are like rare item drops from enemies and you equip the ones that you want Mm. and the game also has a really cool visual style it kind of like splits the difference between the previous two games it's a little more dark and gothic but it still has a lot of very bright bold colors there's like sort of uh, comic booky outlines on a lot of stuff um super super cool game it's so so fucking fun it has also the similar weapon system as uh bloodstained where there's all these different classes of weapons that you can choose and that's one thing that was Mm. changing throughout the series like uh circle of the moon i believe you used a whip um harmony of dissonance you used like a sword and that but aria of sorrow you could use like whatever weapon you wanted and it would change them um and they continue that with the next game, which is called Dawn of Sorrow. It's for the DS, as you probably guessed from the title. Mm. Uh, side note, that was such a stupid thing that everybody did. Why did they do that? The DS was a stupid thing. No, the DS ruled, dude. Come on. Two screens is stupid. Uh, okay. Did you play the Castlevania on it? Did you play the Castlevania on it, dude? No. Well, the map is okay. always open on the bottom screen. It's fucking dope, dude. <laughs> but okay but the the problem with that is that like you can't play the ports on anything because you don't have both screens yeah no that is the problem now um, yeah but at the time it was dope as hell but uh yeah <laughs> aria of sorrow and dawn of sorrow are really 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 cool like i said they basically invent a lot of the systems that end up being in bloodstained um there's a couple of games after that there is um portrait of ruin and mm. uh, Order of Ecclesia. Mm-hmm. And those are both good. Uh, they're sort of just riffs on the same formula, but it's kind of hard to go back because the Sorrow games are just so, so, so good. So mm. that's why it was interesting to me to play Bloodstained because immediately when I booted it up and I you know finished the kind of opening area where they show you what all the systems are, yeah, I was like, oh, shit. It's like all of those games combined into one with all the dumb shit taken out. (laughs) (laughs) So you might appreciate it more if you've played all the Nintendo games. Yeah, dude. But if you've played only Symphony of the Night, you're just going to see it as Symphony of the Night too. Well, and that's another thing is that like they've done that before. Like I said, with Harmony of Dissonance, the idea was just... Gamers love Symphony of the Night. Let's give them a new Castlevania that's more like Symphony of the Night. Yeah. And when, yeah. when you look at Bloodstained versus Harmony of Dissonance, Bloodstained is a better game 
it's way more elegant and how it brings in elements of symphony of the night. And so Mm. it was really, really satisfying to see like, there's actually a huge progression here. This is a huge step up and it's a really important game. And so when I was looking at reactions to it, like some of the negative reactions to me, they all seemed really, really fucking ignorant because it was a lot of people just being like, Oh, like it's just like it's 1997 again. And it's like, (laughs) dude, you have no fucking idea. And it's also sort of the subgenre problem, a problem you just can't fix, which is that if you like a subgenre, you just like it, dude. There's a lot of good shit going on in 1997 video gaming. Like, okay, it's 1997 again. Like, great. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Allow me to slowly spread that across my skin and don't shame me, dude. I want it. Weird flex, but okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, there are a fair number of kind of average reviews of Bloodstained that mostly hinge on that point. And to watch the way that the series developed in the intervening years and then say that is just super ignorant to me. (laughs) well and the early release was sort of plagued with some bugginess and so a lot of people that were reviewing this game on launch had a more buggy version and they've ironed out a lot of the problems uh apparently the switch version is still sort of a shit show as of now so we'll see how that goes but uh it's been smoothed out since release i think if there's one big legitimate critique of this game is that it's kind of janky like it is a little janky yeah for what it is it's kind of janky yeah like items getting stuck in the walls yeah there was one time i got soft locked because i fell into water and i couldn't jump out oh sure i think it crashed once or twice yeah mine would crash or get like stuck in a loop of restarting itself at the menu screen a lot Ugh. but you would just close it and reopen it and be fine. It never crashed on me while I was playing it. Uh, sometimes the menu graphics would glitch out. Like you'd press start and your character would be like having a seizure on the menu. Really? Yeah. Uh, there's some little graphics glitches and things that aren't smooth, like transitioning between cutscenes or menus and stuff. It kind of hitches and they actually just put out a patch that fixed a lot of stuff that irritated me really badly. Okay. Like how the map wouldn't center on you yeah. when you turned it on and off. Oh, and God. then you had to press select to get out of the map instead of Cancel. You know, the circle button. Yeah. Uh, so they fixed like some quality of life things. but Yeah. And I mean, okay. So this is actually a good place. Now we're talking about this to talk a little bit about the development of this game because it's also kind of wild, <laughs> right? So yeah. Iga was, uh, okay, Koji Igarashi, like I said, Director, producer. Iga-kun. Yeah. So we're, I'm going to call him Iga for the rest of this podcast because that's what he calls himself. Just all capitals. I-G-A. <laughs> all capitals when you spell the man's name. Uh, yeah. And so he was running the series until 2014 when he left Konami because Konami fucking sucks. Um, at that point, <laughs> he hadn't made a 2D, like, real Castlevania game in six years. And... So he quit and he took a job uh, at a company called Artplay and he also simultaneously started trying to find a way to make more original Castlevania style games. And Mm. so he actually partnered up with this dude. (laughs) 
And this is, man, this is like super fascinating to me, right? So he's approached by this guy whose name is Ben Judd. Um, and this dude comes to him and is like, hey, what we should do is shop this to publishers. So they start shopping it to publishers. Nobody wants it. Um, so then they keep going and they finally find a publisher who's like, okay, we'll fund it, but we want to use Kickstarter to gauge um, audience interest. Mm-hmm. And so that's what they did. They started a Kickstarter and immediately it's like a huge, gigantic success. Um, yeah. There is a ton of money, blah, blah, blah. Now, at the same time this is happening, the same dude, Ben Judd, had partnered with Keiji Inafune uh, to make a little <laughs> game that we like to call Mighty Number no. 9. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah. So, as you probably know if you're listening to this super nerdy podcast, Mighty Number no. 9 was like a huge, huge, huge disaster. It was a flop. It was a terrible fucking game. Um, and the negative press from it was like toxic, right? And so at this point, like people getting death threats and shit toxic, right? Exactly. And so at this point, uh, bloodstained had already kind of had a weird development. Like it was being developed simultaneously by a bunch of different developers, um, because they were, you know, bringing in people to help with it. Um, and and they also signed themselves up for a million ports too. Yeah. It was supposed to come out for PS4, Xbox One, Vita, Wii U. Uh-huh. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's... They were already in a sort of weird position where they were developing it simultaneously for a fuck ton of platforms. They were sort of forced to use Unreal Engine just so that all these different people could work on it and that it could like easily kind of be shotgunned out to all these different platforms. And then basically this mighty number nine bullshit happened and they ended up basically reshuffling some of the development staff so that Mm -hmm. they wouldn't be connected to mighty number nine. Like they were just like, (laughs) no dude, we're not, we don't have anything to do with that. Like, fuck that. And in some of the postmortem of it, it's been pointed out that um, KG Inafune is not a game designer. He's like a business uh-huh. dude. Whereas Iga is like a game designer. That's what he does. <laughs> so that might amount to something, you know? Womp womp. Yeah. So anyway, like the game finally comes out. And I mean, I know for me personally, just cause of all the mighty number nine shit and like how garbage Kickstarter is a lot of the time that like, yeah. I was looking at it as like, we'll see if it's good, you know? Yeah. Well, bloodstain was the only game I ever backed on Kickstarter. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah. And when minor night number nine came out, I was like, well, fuck, <laughs> you know, I think that was a lot of people's thought. Like, I mean, if they can't nail Mega Man, how are they going to nail Symphony of the Night? You know? Right. Exactly. I think NT Creates was involved with both game development. Right. And that's who got kind of kicked off of... (laughs) uh, That's who got kicked off of uh, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. However, uh, they did develop the uh, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon... Um, yeah. which was a sort of little 8-bit style prequel game 
that came out a while before um, the full game's release. Yeah, it, it, it was a really cool teaser because it's it's a pretty fun game. And it's it's fully fleshed out too, and uh, I I think as a as a sort of like hype tool, it's pretty cool, and it stands on its own. Right. This is also a good place to point out that a team isn't just you know like one unit that always delivers the same thing, you know, because like there are people who were like, oh, it's so great that they cut ties with Inti Creates, but then it's like, oh, but they actually did a good job on Curse of the Moon. Uh, in the same way yeah. that there were people who were like, oh, Bloodstain is going to be, or um, Ritual of the Night is going to be shit because Way Forward is working on it. And <laughs> Way Forward has worked on some shitty games, but Way Forward made Shantae for the Game Boy Color, which yeah. is a fucking banger. So Way Forward is one of those companies that can make really good games, but I, I don't feel like they've ever made a great game. I'd argue that Shantae is great personally like that's a good fucking platformer uh salty sega kid comment number 12 <laughs> shantae is just a wonder boy 4 ripoff <laughs> or monster world 4 with the female protagonist yeah but like i didn't know that when i was playing it on my game boy color and i liked it <laughs> uh, but you know so it, it is kind of funny that nt got sort of booted uh when they actually you know did some good work on it um yeah but so the game comes out and it's as far as fans, everyone seems to love it. Uh, but yeah, I think it's important to note that, yeah, there's some jank, dude. This game had a fucking journey like, yeah. And the only thing that really sucks is that the switch port is as terrible as it is. Cause apparently it's unplayable and it's, it's like a total disaster. Yeah. But it's kind of like still in development. It seems like I think they'll get it under control anyway. It's just a, bummer because if it had been good i probably would have just gotten it on there like sight unseen yeah that's after after they canceled the wii u version because that's what i had backed i switched it to the switch version so i've got like a useless nintendo switch version sitting around oh you have a code uh i got the physical copy oh okay yeah well that i'll probably never play (laughs) because i have it on steam no i got it on gog yeah so now both of us have played the game totally played the hell out of played it. played the shit out of it i mean i'm not done i finished the story but you get a bunch of like keys right at the end that i'm like yeah oh i'm gonna go use those keys <laughs> uh, i didn't a hundred percent everything in the game but i hundred percented the map and that's enough for me yeah and i i all the bosses Okay, did you do, like, the side bosses that you need those keys for and stuff? Yeah, yeah, I did all that. Okay, so I haven't done... Because right at the end, you get two keys, and I need to mm-hmm. go back and do those. Right. Um. So I'm going to do that. So, spoiler warning, we're going to spoil everything. Yeah. Also, <laughs> ne- uh, other point that's important to note is that these games stories are like super pointless <laughs> it's not even just pointless it's offensive that it's even there right <laughs> get that shit out of my face i mean so <laughs> i think all these games have the same style of story and i do like it in its own idiotic way and it's it's mm-hmm. literally like at random points little characters just run up to you and say a bunch of stuff and it's like <laughs> Why are you talking right now? What yeah, are you it, talking about? It looks like like a kindergarten play, 
like the Christmas play or something at kindergarten where yeah. like just characters just run up and run off and just stand there and look stupid. Yeah, it's it's super bad, but I mean, it's in there and they all have it. And at least yeah. one thing that I appreciated is that I don't feel like Bloodstained has a lot more of it than the games that came before it. I mean, there's enough. There's enough. But if there had been a lot more, I may have been annoyed by it, you know? Yeah, and if it wasn't skippable. Yes. You can always skip the shit out of it. Did you play the game in English or Japanese? Oh, I played it in English. (laughs) Oh, okay. After about two minutes of dialogue, I switched it to Japanese. I did. So this game uh, beautifully lets you control the audio volume of like five different (laughs) channels. And so I had the voices almost all the way down. So Okay. Yeah, because all the little... They say a lot of quips when they do their special moves. Yeah. And you get familiars, and it's like the same thing. They all have dumb little quips, they say. Yeah. And so I could take it a little more seriously in Japanese, just because I don't understand what the hell they're saying. Yeah, I didn't think of doing that. That may have been better, because, like, (laughs) one of the spells I use the most, she, like, screams when she uses it, and, yeah. Yeah. That would have been cool to not... (laughs) Uh... But anyway, so Bloodstained, they kind of made up their own little plot and world for it, which I appreciate. It's not just like... I don't. You don't? Okay, everybody's on Dracula. I think you can say Dracula in a game. Just say you're fighting Dracula. <laughs> well... That's all we want. <laughs> I want a ca- I want a big castle coming out of nowhere, and I want to kill Dracula. Well, you get one of those things. Yeah, exactly. You be Dracula. <laughs> Well, he said in an interview that he didn't just want to do Dracula again. He wanted a game to have a different flavor. And Mm -hmm. I think that they uh, achieved that. Because, like, yeah, well, it's... So, all the modern Castlevanias rely heavily on uh, anime for their art style and inspiration. Yeah. Bloodstained kicks it farther into it, I would say. Yeah. Um... It's not really, like, distracting or anything, but, um, I don't know, uh, the protagonist and side characters don't seem as, like, gritty as something like Symphony of the Night. Sure. I mean... And it seems to be more, like, it, it puts more emphasis on the ensemble of characters, other than, you know, just a la carte alone, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. <laughs> That's literally just what they did. They were, like... What if we just did that? And they did. And uh, <laughs> I could definitely see it being annoying or off-putting. But what I'll say for it is that in a literal and a figurative way, it's more colorful. And mm, yeah. I actually did appreciate that quite a bit. Like, yeah, it keeps it keeps you kind of in it. I think some Castlevania games, when they go super dark, it can get a little monotonous and color can be spooky some of the best horror movies have great splashes of color yeah argento yeah yeah come on come on house turn up <laughs> yeah dude like i th- uh, i think if this game has like a film equivalent it's probably house <laughs> there are some wacky things going on <laughs> yeah i mean the big dog heads oh, the big house yeah no, so, I mean, this game is very ridiculous, and it's very colorful. And this, once again, this is something that I think the more modern 
Castlevanias have been moving towards. Do we want to talk a little bit about the way the game looks in terms of art style and 2D versus 3D? Yeah, for sure. And how it kind of got overhauled close to release. Yeah, it's very Um, interesting. So Bloodstain has a problem with being kind of (laughs) ugly. Okay. (laughs) I mean, I don't think Bloodstain looks as good as Symphony of the Night. Well, no. That might be my personal preference. So Bloodstain got a lot of shit for being ugly um, during development, and because they had a pretty open development cycle, and uh, they actually took took it to heart and redesigned a lot of it in terms of like color saturation, even things like uh, making the characters look more cell shaded, etc. Right. But I don't know. Uh, a lot of the environments don't look great. It's sort of a mixed bag because some places look like really great, and then some look like a PS3 game. Well, the whole thing looks like a PS3 game. I mean, <laughs> it's it's really just about your expectations. I mean, obviously, this game, if it was 2D, would have mm-hmm. looked cooler. If it had been 2D in the style of Symphony of the Night, or I, I think what it is is that Guilty Gear and Dragon Ball Fighters ruined my expectations about how good a 3d anime game can look yeah you know no that's those are just incredible looking they they mimic you know the anime look perfectly in 3d yeah well and you can tell this game isn't operating at that level i mean it's not that high of caliber but for what it is i think it looks cool I mean, it's yeah. it's got a somewhat cell shaded look. It's mm-hmm. uh, very colorful, which, like I said, was a nice surprise, and it made me think of Harmony of Dissonance, and maybe a little mm-hmm. bit more towards Aria of Sorrow, where it's still colorful but it's muted in places and still has like the gothic look. It looks like it should be able to run on the Switch. <laughs> yeah, I know, and even on. Isn't that crazy? Even on PC, there's some moments where it just like gets kind of mm-hmm. weird performance-wise, and it was like, it's just kind of doesn't seem optimized for anything, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if you go into it with that expectation, I mean, I never really had an issue with the graphics. Some of the animations are a little funny looking. Uh, yeah. And like I said, once you figure out, though, that it's just JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, it kind of all clicks into place. Like, there's a lot of purple. <laughs> People like to pose in awkward, uncomfortable ways. And you're just like, oh, yeah. okay, yeah, all right, neat. Um, and I think it, it's not a full-price game. I think it's 40 bucks or 30 bucks. Yeah, it's 30 bucks. So, yeah. Yeah. So... With all of that in mind, it's kind of hard to complain. Like, I sort of, (laughs) I get why people are complaining. And once again, I mean, to compare it to, like, Hollow Knight, which just the whole execution Mm. of that game is, like, perfect visually and and in terms of the audio as well. It's easy to just take, like, a really narrow view of these things and just be like, oh, well, like, why doesn't it look as good as that? That's, like, an indie game, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, right. I mean... This is a, a different type of game. It had a different type of development. It had a really insane development. The fact that we got it at all is amazing. And right. the fact that it's just, you know, 
it's it's fun to to look at parts of it and i think overall the fact that it has a look is good because it makes it immersive Mm. you know like i can think about what the game looks like you know i can picture what it looks like right it has an aesthetic i think to me a lot of times that's really important because like there are certain games in the series like curse of the moon um, which is the first game boy advance game that just doesn't really have that or um, like portrait of ruin which is the second ds one it's just very blah it's like dark red Mm. and brown and it's just (laughs) like wasn't fun to look at i didn't care about being in that world it had that addictive gameplay loop that i love but right and i think you know that's an important thing that to consider here is that a big reason that these games draw fans in and the big reason why i would consider it to be a horror game at all is just the aesthetics of it right oh totally yeah this is a horror themed game yeah right and so obviously there's cool stuff like there's monsters and a lot of them are based on mythology and sometimes Mm -hmm. movies and there's references to other games and movies and all this kind of stuff yeah i mean even going back to castlevania one it's you know based on all the old hammer dracula movies you know right they even put like peter cushing's name in the credits (laughs) nice (laughs) i didn't know that that's awesome yeah there's a bunch of fake credits in castlevania yeah but so to me it's less about a sort of baseline like oh does it look good or or this or that it's more like did it make a vibe and was it the vibe that i wanted and at least for me personally i thought bloodstained did like yeah i mean it's fine it's not the best looking game but it's fine right and like it's like it's all about the gameplay yeah but it's like a cool place to spend some time like i enjoyed finding new areas and seeing what they yeah. looked like and then seeing what the enemies in that area looked like and yeah oh i, I was gonna bring this up later but there's way too many fucking caves in this game and if they could have cut back on the caves a little bit, that would have been nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess I agree with that. It's a little it's a little cave-heavy, but... Uh, it's pretty cavey. Yeah. Harmony of Dissonance was very cavey, too. That was a game that uh, could get real... You could get real tunnel vision or cave vision, I guess, uh, when you got deep enough into that game. These devs need to understand that nobody wants the cave level or the sewer level... <laughs> or I would even go as far as to say no one wants the ice level. Yeah. No one wants to slide around. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't want the underwater level ever. No. Yeah, just every level should be like a pastoral green field. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or just a big gothic hallway. You know, whatever. Yeah. Take your pick. Uh, <laughs> the Windows XP yeah. desktop. Hell yeah. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> Hey y'all, thanks so much for listening to the Zero Brightness Podcast. If you want to support us, the most direct ways are at our Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also give us a rating on the service of your choice. I know Apple's super into that. And when you leave a rating, you can also leave us a suggestion for a future episode topic. You can also follow us on Facebook 
as well as Instagram. We're at Zero Brightness Pod. You can also shoot us an email with thoughts, comments, whatever at Zero Brightness Podcast at gmail.com. It's been really cool interacting with people and sharing thoughts on Facebook and Reddit. So hoping to hear from you guys more directly in the future. Okay, enjoy the rest of the episode. Uh, yeah, so the gameplay in this game, as we kind of alluded to earlier, is really what the game is about. And it's a really, really cool like summation of all of the games that Iga has worked on thus far. It has a basic like RPG progression system, and mm-hmm. it also has an ability equipping system, which you do through shards, which there's a whole story explanation that I'm not even going to bother <laughs> with because you won't either. It's awful. Yeah, it's pretty bad. But uh, basically you can equip shards and you have different types of shards and you, you actually end up having like six or seven different types of abilities. And I think there's six different types of shards. Yeah. yeah. And so you get these different types of abilities that you can equip and they affect, you know, different things like in your control scheme you know so it's like okay well this goes to this button this goes to this button and it's super cool because it's it's a lot like what was introduced in aria of sorrow because you collect them as like rare drops from enemies uh and then Mm -hmm. once you have it you can equip it and use it but you can also level it up and make it more powerful. So you you get the abilities from specific enemies. Right. So if a specific enemy does like a some sort of attack, you could learn that attack by getting a shard. Right. It's sort of like Mega Man, and sort of like that Sega Genesis shoot 'em up called Gyarus. Oh yeah. Where you you kill a bad guy and you can like absorb their attack and use it against them. Yeah, for sure. And, well, you know what's funny is that. The way that you collect them uh, initially upon the release of Aria Sorrow, people were comparing it to Pokemon. Oh, really? Yeah. So that was the big dig Cute. at it. it. Was like, oh, it's like Castlevania Pokemon. Um, I'm into it. Yeah, but it's actually super, super fun, and that makes sense for familiars, right? Yeah. If there were more familiars. Yeah. 151 of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, it ends up being really cool and really fun. And the big thing that they added to this game that distinguishes it from all the other games in the series to me was they added like a crafting system. Uh, yeah. So you get like a crafting and upgrade system so you can upgrade your shards, but you can also make items, weapons, armor and food. <laughs> yeah. Which ends up being pretty fun as well. There's a whole bunch of side quests tied to crafting different things and cooking different things. Which can be fun and sort of annoying, too, if you haven't found the specific recipe you need. But I I like that what it added to the game in the sense that, like, you could be focusing on finding certain things or you can be focusing Mm -hmm. on, you know, making certain recipes. Like, the minute I figured out how to make ramen, I was just going nuts. Oh, yeah. Like, farming the ingredients. Curry rice is OP. I stopped buying potions and started making curry rice. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You don't just cook and craft. Unlike in Symphony of the Night, where there isn't really like a place for you to keep going back to. uh, Ritual of the Night has like a little town you can visit with NPCs that you can do side quests and things for. 
Which is make sort of makes it feel like a old dungeon crawler, something like shining in the darkness. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, I think in Castlevania games before Bloodstained, there was always kind of a tension between the action exploration elements and the RPG elements. Yeah. And I think that Bloodstained really reconciles those two halves really, really well. It's really well designed. So, yeah, just giving you a home base helps a lot. And so it helps with the gameplay loop, too, because, you know, essentially it's a lot like a dungeon crawler where, you know, you start out and you explore a little bit. And when you run low on resources, you run back home to recoup. You do that a lot in Bloodstained until you get good later <laughs> on. And then you start, you know, fast traveling back home and just shortcutting it and maybe like staying out for really long periods of time because you don't even need to go back home. But the gameplay loop's really satisfying. You know, you go out, clear some areas, maybe find a boss or two, and come back. And then as you keep traversing the areas that you were in previously, you're, you're getting stronger and stronger. So areas that would give you a lot of trouble earlier, you would just blast through them. And one thing that I really, really liked about the uh, like progression and ability system in this game is that it really made choosing your loadout and equipping your character super, super fun uh, because you mm. had so many different options and so many little things you can tweak that yeah. you can try different things and because you can always go back to your home base and like upgrade shards and buy items and do all that kind of stuff, you can really experiment with your loadout a lot. The game also gives you shortcuts so uh-huh. you can easily queue up like four different um, like loadouts that you can just call up. And so this is kind of a major evolution of what Castlevania originally had, which is that you would get a sub weapon. Um, yeah. And there's like, I think the first game had like four sub weapons. Uh, and basically, you would pick them up in the stage incidentally, and then you would use hearts, which you'd collect to use <laughs> the weapon. So they're kind of like MP in the later games. Um, which in 1988 was confusing as fuck <laughs> because everybody knows what hearts are for, <laughs> and it's not for filling your weapon up. Yeah, the first time. Jesus, Konami. Yeah, the first time you play a Castlevania game, it's like, why are the hearts not helping me? Uh, <laughs> but. So the Iga games kind of took a weird view of the sub weapon. Like some of them have it and some of them don't. And by the time Aria of Sorrow came out, it they had basically settled on, okay, instead of a sub weapon, you sort of have a loadout you can play with. And just like in mm. the old games where let's say you use the cross cause it's the best weapon. Of course. Yeah. Um, Maybe you get to an area or a boss where the cross is just not doing it. And you're like, oh, you know, let me try something else. Uh, in Bloodstained, it's like that times a million. Because right. you can collect so many shards. And you can just make a loadout, one loadout, and stick with it. But personally, I had way more fun picking, like, f- four. Like, I used the kind of shortcut thing. It's like, okay, I'm going to pick, like, four of each. Or maybe two of each. Uh, uh-huh. and level them up and invest in them and figure out how to use them. So then if I get to an area or a boss where I'm having a tough time, I can try a different style or a different ability. Yeah. I mean, you can experiment like crazy in this game. 
different strategies and different fighting strategies and different loadouts. Right. Or <laughs> you could play like me and just stick with the same four things for the entire game. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of get it. I used to experiment a lot when I played S- Symphony of the Night when I was a kid. Right. Um, different loadouts and everything. This kind of, this game kind of made me lament all the free time I, I lost yeah. as an adult. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, I, I get that feeling. Like, there's a lot of stuff you can fuck around in in this game, and I don't have the time to fuck around with all that shit anymore. Yeah, you know? for sure. Well, and it's interesting, too, because, like, I'm kind of like you, but I also like to experiment. Like, yeah. uh, I really, really like great swords in that game. Uh, there's yeah. like I just find that they're the easiest and best way to actually hit enemies and like do damage and all that kind of stuff. But the game would occasionally just throw me a weapon, like a really good whip or a really good katana, and it's like, yeah, all right, I'm just gonna just for the next hour or the next area or whatever, I'm just gonna use this weapon, and that ended up being really really fun. With shards, it was kind of the same way where it's like I had my two. Of each that I would really usually come back to, but I'd get something cool and be like, oh, let me try that, you know? Right. And like, even I would just do some weird stuff, like towards the very end of the game, I got a bunch of luck boosting stuff. And so I was like, (laughs) I'm just going to go pure luck boost. And it was insane because I was just critting like every hit. And I was like, whoa, this is fucking cool. You know, so it's like, uh, it's, it's a really deep uh customization system you can really go all the way into it yeah and you can almost break the game with it too which is which was something that was inherited from symphony of the night (laughs) people had a lot of fun with that and i think they realized that yeah for sure and you know to bring it back to those other games that Ega has done in the series prior to this i think a lot of them were trying to pick and choose what customization elements to give the player and what things to let the player just run wild with and mm. bloodstain is like you know what just do whatever the fuck you want man i don't fucking care <laughs> like <laughs> which i think that they balance it really well by making the game harder uh i think blood do you think it's harder yes i think bloodstain is harder than pretty much all almost all the portable huh. ones curse of the moon is is harder than this uh but the other ones are just not super difficult. Um, mm. I will say for me personally, the way I play, I always found that the bosses were never as difficult as like not dying while traversing the castle. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You know, uh, I got my ass kicked a lot more on Symphony of the Night bosses than Bloodstained bosses. Yeah. That's I agree with that, but I guess like in the games after Symphony of the Night, I felt like they toned down the boss difficulty a lot. Mm. And I think the overall difficulty came down a little bit, but the boss difficulty was a lot. Like some of those GBA games, you don't really fight a difficult boss until death, which is always really close to the end of the game. Um, mm. uh, in, in all the old Castlevania games, death is a boss and he's pretty close to the end of the game. He'll take all your clothes in Symphony of the Night. <laughs> yeah. In, in Bloodstained, I was surprised. Like, I was getting my ass kicked a lot more than I thought I would. It's like, not every boss is, like, a fucking knuckle breaker, but, like, yeah. I don't know, man. Like, 
more than I expected. Actually, the first boss kind of kicked my ass, and I was like, what the hell? Well, also, the potions suck. Like, Yeah, they're really bad. You use all five potions by, like, filling your life bar once. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, fuck. Yeah, it's it's definitely high potion and uh, curry or ramen for life. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like after about three or four hours into the game, it gets a lot easier. Uh, I think it really does try to kick your ass early on. Yeah, for sure. I, the first few, like I said, especially the first boss really left an impression on me. Because I was like, oh, whatever, first boss in a Castlevania, her, her. And then he killed me. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, that's not how this is supposed to go. Um, but yeah, and, and I thought it was cool, too, that it wasn't just like a linear like it keeps getting harder and harder and harder. It was actually kind of up and down. Like you'd get a boss that was weirdly easy and then you'd get a boss that was really challenging. I enjoyed it. I like that kind of difficulty. I like games that like push you by being difficult, but don't try and just destroy you the whole time. Uh, (laughs) I feel like it could have had a couple more difficulty checks, but uh, I think it's pretty well balanced. The other thing too that I like about the Ega games, most of them, is that you never have to grind. You just grind because you want to. Yeah. Like, because you want a rare item drop or a rare ability drop or because you're like, man, I'm really close to leveling up. I should just grind a little bit. And Mm -hmm. Bloodstained hit that note perfectly. And I was happy because I think if it had been much more difficult, I would have personally had to grind a lot more yeah and, you know? and plus you can just find items that'll permanently boost your stats which is super handy yeah like i think that to me is the right difficulty and when i look at other comparable series like Mega Man, i don't think Mega Man ever settled on one type of difficulty and i also kind of feel like they never found the right difficulty Mega Man x probably is the right difficulty yeah, Mega Man X is hard, but if you know it, you can blast through it real quick. Right, but the other games, like, before it, they're all over the map, from just being, like, yeah. almost unplayable to just being super easy, and the ones after it are just all kind of the same way, like, it's just, they're nuts. Like, you can play Mega Man X4, and it's, like, the easiest game ever, and then you can play... X4 Me- is super easy, yeah. You can play Mega Man Zero, and it's, like, fucking prying your toenails up for fun, and it's like, oh my <laughs> god, what is yeah. this? The Zero games are super difficult. I love those games, but mostly because yeah. you can grind and level shit up, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, this fixes the the problem here. Um, but I feel like the Ega Castlevania games, like a lot of them hit that difficulty pretty well. And mm-hmm. when they are a bit easier, like I don't mind, because they throw a couple bosses at you that will kick your ass. Um, but Bloodstain, I felt like, was just right. I really enjoyed the difficulty in it. I guess we should talk about the controls. So I, I feel like the games with the way the game starts you start out with like default alucard loadout they went specifically to make it feel just like alucard in symphony of the night but then once you start unlocking different abilities miriam starts to get a little you know faster and more agile right yeah your movement changes completely throughout the game and your play style can change completely throughout the game. Uh, yeah. One thing that's interesting is that I felt like they withheld a lot of abilities that series fans w- would have been looking for because they know they're going to happen. 
And a oh, l- like double jump, double jump, I think came at about the right moment, but like super jump, uh, forward dash, all that kind of stuff mm. or acceleration in this game, but it's functionally it's forward dash, uh, all this kind of stuff. Like a lot of those abilities come right at the end. It was super liberating to finally get double jump though. <laughs> I feel like it came a little late and then when getting it, I felt like, you know that meme of that guy washing his face? Yeah. Like, that was me, like, finally after getting double jump. <laughs> yeah, I told you. I went back to the beginning and just went through the whole castle again because there's just yeah. so much shit you can find. Yeah. And they do this great, like, uh, if once you double jump, you can kind of do, like, a third jump downwards, which feels just like Shinobi 3. And you yeah. can, like, jump kick dudes' heads and bounce off them. Yeah. That feels great. Oh, man. I was playing Shinobi 3 a little bit on the 4th of July. Uh, oh, dude, that game is so good, dude. So good. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I'm going to drop in that, uh, the song, uh, the the part where you're, like, riding the surfboard. Oh, That song, yeah. Whirlwind. Yeah. Oh, I thought. It's, like, the, the best 16-bit song ever. My favorite song in that game is for the stage body weapon. Mm, mm-hmm. the, like, it's kind of funky. It sounds exactly like that Final Fantasy VII song that I had you drop in in the previous episode. <laughs> yeah. I think that's just, I guess that's the kind of music I like. <laughs> Shinobi 3 is fucking gangster, dude. Yeah. What a game. Um, oh. Super underrated. Like, that's pinnacle 16-bit action platformer. Yeah, honestly, like, I used to love the Shinobi games. Like, all the Genesis ones. And the more time passed, the more it was like, I think I just only ever want to play Shinobi 3 because it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. Oh. Super good. Uh, also, yeah. tangent, Rolling Thunder 2 and 3 on Sega Genesis are excellent sort of shinobi clone games. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So good. Those games are really, really rad. And they're both Genesis exclusives. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I had those games that I randomly picked up at a Funko Land. I was like, <laughs> what is this? I'm just going to buy this. It's like two bucks. Gangster as fuck. That's Dude. what they are. Yeah. Super fucking good shit. Bloodstained. Bloodstained. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did think that some of the abilities came a little bit late in the game. Uh, I yeah. sort of, I think in these games, they sort of pick a path. They either give you a lot of stuff very early on and make you super agile or they make you wait for it. I think Symphony of the Night was a little bit more of the waiting side of things. Uh, yeah, but when the world flipped in Symphony of the Night, oh, spoiler alert, <laughs> the world flips in Symphony of the Night, you pretty much have like 90% of your abilities at that point, right? Yeah, you do. Yeah, I guess that that's a good point. Um, I think you wait more in this game because I feel like in the GBA ones, it kind of goes back and forth. Like uh, like Circle of the Moon, the first one, uh, you don't get shit until the end of the game. You're just a fucking scrub <laughs> until right at the end, and it's kind of annoying. Uh, but once again, that game, the theme is grinding your face into the dirt. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, like, uh, Harmony of Dissonance definitely uh, w- was a little more generous in giving you abilities and stuff. And then Aria of Sorrow kind of split the difference. Um one, you know, I liked how they interpreted or they incorporated that idea of the upside down castle into this game by just giving you yeah. an ability 
What a super cool, not just nod to Symphony of the Night, but it like totally recontextualizes the upside down world thing. Right. You know? And another thing that they brought from Symphony of the Night that I honestly am a little bit mixed on is just a really strong sense of obtuseness. Like, <laughs> this game is obtuse as hell. There, there are a couple points where it's like classic Nintendo shit where you have like no idea what you're supposed to do. Yeah, it's like classic you need a subscription to Nintendo Power shit. Yeah, like you need to call the 1-800 hotline. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. So that's kind of a classic thing in this era of Castlevania where like the true ending is highly missable or like the yeah. whole in Symphony. Okay, so in Symphony of the Night, the entire second half of the game where the castle's upside down uh, is missable. You can miss it and think that the game like ends before that. I'm so glad I didn't miss it as a kid. Yeah. That would have been so sad. Yeah. And so in, I, th- I think it's missable if I'm remembering correctly. If I'm wrong, someone will tell me I'm wrong. I also subscribe to EGM. So. Sure. But in this game, you can beat what appears to be the last boss when you're about 30% through the game. Yeah. And I think you get an ending. I didn't do it, so I don't... Yeah, it sucks, but you get an ending. Yeah, and I just, like, happened to see that somewhere online where it's like, hey, when you get to the Hall of Termination, don't fight Jeeble, which, like, I'll pass that along to you guys. When you get to the Hall of Terminator, don't fight Gerbil. Um, Just remember that. Yeah. And so... Uh, It's uh, emo anime Richter. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh But so that's like the first place where it's like, okay, 30% through the game, don't fight the final boss. Got it. But then you keep exploring and you go through these stretches where everything is pretty cut and dry, where it's like, okay, I go here, I go here, I go here. But then there's a lot of different places where I was like, where the fuck do I go? And I looked it up and I was like, dude, I would never have found that. And even like you get clues from people sometimes and I would get the clues way later after I had already looked it up and I was like, that isn't even a good fucking clue, dude. Like, yeah. Yeah. So there's a part where you have to get on a train and you have to have an ID and um, the item you need is just in a chest somewhere and you could totally not pay attention and just pick the thing up and never realize that you need it. (laughs) So I got stuck there. There's another part where, um, you need a specific set of armor to get through spikes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I kind of got stuck there. Like, I even had the armor I needed. I just never even looked at it. Yeah, because um, the stats are not good on it. Yeah, and you'd have to look at the item description to see. Yeah, and by the time you get it, Anyways. you're not putting on anything with weak-ass stats. And that's like, yeah. oh, actually, I do need that. And it also makes a later boss, like, super fucking easy. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, it, there there are a lot of really weird, obtuse moments, and I'm not against that design choice, but it is a real head-scratcher for me, because, like, Symphony of the Night had some of that, and the other games in the GBA series and the DS series didn't really have any of that. Uh, yeah, well, you know, like, I'm old enough to have, like, played a bunch of 8-bit RPGs, and those were, like, full of that bullshit. So there's kind of a nostalgic charm for me. Oh, no, I, I don't disagree. I just can't figure out why they did it. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we have the internet. We'll look it up. <laughs> yeah, that kind of shit is... 
it's a it's a little bit bewildering and so that that was something and i guess if you're listening and you haven't played it yet uh definitely be prepared to look shit up when you get stuck because <laughs> it's probably not you it's not your fault one thing i think is really cool about this game is that it really goes hard on the making it like a true action adventure game element right because it's sort of been a theme of these ega games is taking castlevania side-scrolling 2d platformer and actually turning Uh it into like an immersive action rpg oh totally yeah. And in this game, in, a bit, in addition to giving you all these abilities and more RPG elements and, you know, loadout, tweakery, uh, they added crafting, which every good modern action RPG needs crafting. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of on the fence with crafting because a lot of times it could just take over the entire gameplay experience and bog things down. Yeah. But I think, I think Ritual of the Night does it well because you just naturally pick up a bunch of items as you're exploring and most of those will go towards your crafting. And generally, you'll have most of the stuff you need. Like a lot of the things in this game, you don't have to do it. Oh, yeah, totally. If you don't want to fuck with your loadout and you just want to pick one thing, you can do it. I mean, I got a pretty good set of abilities and weapon types in the first area. And I could have stuck with it for the rest of the game. Just updating my abilities and equipping like stronger weapons yeah but i didn't i went all the way into it so it's sort of like that and if you don't like the crafting you don't have to do it which i think sets it apart from a lot of modern games like mm-hmm. i like the crafting that's in the evil within 2 but like you can't not so if you didn't like right, it right. you're fucked dude like well, in Bloodstain, I mean, if you want the best stuff in the game, you're going to have to craft it. But you could totally beat this game with just stuff you found laying around. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really why I love all the systems in this game is that you do it because you actually enjoy doing it. And if you don't, yeah. you don't. Yeah, especially with cooking because crafting ingredients, it kind of fans out in different ways. Because you need to start by crafting like real simple stuff like butter and eggs. Right. And then from there you can, you know, craft the bases like curry, like just general curry sauce, things like that. And then you can make dishes like curry rice and then meat curry, things like that. And you don't need to do it at all. I mean, there's a bunch of side missions with NPCs where you can cook for one of them, um, but you totally don't need to do it. No, and that's really kind of the power of a lot of this game and these types of games where if you enjoy playing it and you like the atmosphere and the environment, you can play it as much as you want. You can keep going forever and collecting shit and making stuff and blah, blah, blah. And if you don't or you only like it enough that you want to just see the ending, you can just Mm -hmm. only play that much well similar to what we said about onimusha where there's like yeah there's more gameplay there than what could fit in a single playthrough i'm looking forward to the dlc they make because i hope they just add a bunch more areas to the castle really (laughs) right i totally agree and i think that's that's the power of it you know and so like i've i've said over and over that the game boy advance castlevania games and really just all the ega 
Castlevania games, which side note, he says that the genre is egovania, which is fucking hilarious. And I love the audacity of that. I mean, I say that my band is sludge gaze, so I'm in the same, I'm in the same boat as, uh, as my friend Koji. But the thing I've said about all those games is that there are some of the only games that have ever got me to grind because I'm allergic mm. to grinding Grinding is against my religion, uh, and I don't do it. <laughs> and yet, in Castlevania, the systems are all so fun, and I enjoy them so much, and I enjoy gaming them so much that, like, when I find something that's like, oh, I want that ability, or I know I need that item to make something I want, like, I'll just sit there and grind all fucking day. Yeah. You know, yeah, and it's the same with like leveling up, where it's like, oh, I know that if I get a couple levels, this next possibly easier. It's like, okay, I'll do it. And I don't know why, like RPGs do not make me want to do that. So, like <laughs> going back to some of the 16-bit ones that get really grindy, which is most of them, like I just get yeah. so fucking turned off if it's just like, okay, well now you have to grind for a few hours. I'm like, a few hours, motherfucker. Are you serious? <laughs> like I have so many better things I could be doing. Yeah. Especially when you can't speed through it. Yeah. I would argue that earthbound is hard to play nowadays, especially in the fights. Well, I've never played earthbound vanilla. Like I've only done emulator <laughs> yeah. with fast forward. You have to. Yeah. I mean, even when they put out that, I don't know if the Super Nintendo Classic had the or has like the speed up ability in it. It doesn't. It doesn't. Okay. See, that's what I thought. Because when it first came out, I was like, "Ooh, I want that." And then I was like, "I want to play <laughs> Earthbound." And then I was like, "Wait, can you speed up?" And I think I looked it up and it was no. I was like, "Well, fuck that shit." Because like, yeah, dude, homie, don't play. <laughs> I'm not. No. I'm not fucking down with that. Um, I got shit to do. Yeah. So I like that in these games, it's a lot snappier and also it's all just compulsory. Like, it's like, hey, if you want to do it, it's there to do it. So even like... Yeah, there, there's a couple things. Like, you still can't save anywhere. Um, right. Which is sort of a problem, but also it just leads to the challenge because, you know, that gameplay loop means you have to survive back to town, you know? Well, so. I mean, to me, the Castlevania experience is getting from one save point to another. That's, like I said, that's yeah. where the challenge of the game is. A save anywhere Castlevania, yeah. to me, would be markedly worse than a game that's structured like this. And, like, the calming save room, you just go in and <laughs> just press up. Ugh, I love it, dude. I need that shit. Um <laughs> fade to red yeah dude give it to me i love it uh yeah and you know just as a testament to that in my playthrough like very early on i only crafted all my armor and weapons like i wasn't using anything i was picking up because the shit you could craft oh, really? was so much better you know and then hmm. in the middle of the game i didn't craft anything yeah that's interesting because i i got into it late in the game and i only did it late in the game well that's the thing so then late in the game I got into food and so I was like mm. crafting food constantly and I was always crafting ethers and potions because it's cheaper to buy and craft ethers and potions the uh, the yeah. great potion or whatever than it is to just buy it so it's like late in the game I got super into it and early in the game I was super into it for armor and weapons but then in the middle of the game I didn't craft anything at all 
you know, like if, if you divide it in the thirds, that's kind of how it went. Yeah. And, and once again, it, it all just depends on your play style. Like the game gives you so many options for weapons and the basic weapon changes how you play the game. You know? Oh, totally. Yeah. That, that was one of the fun things about symphony of the night. You know, each weapon gave you a different play style. So, right. And this game is totally like that. And yeah, they all feel really good, but they just all feel really different and that's one yeah i mean if you're using a great sword you're like you're feeling that you know yeah it's chonky dude it's a thick boy and but then you could just use like your your hands and feet too and then it's super snappy and ninja like right and even going yeah. from a great sword to katana which i did a little bit like the katana is a lot faster and you would just be like oh okay this is kind of changes my tactics and how i approach mm. like a large enemy you know yeah and you also have other skill slots and abilities you can use too so you can get into a scenario where it's like i have four ways to attack an enemy at all times oh yeah totally yeah so you know it kind of has that immersive sim feel where it's like you get to design how your character is going to play and then you get to pick how you're going to approach a given situation um, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of being like a side-scrolling action game, it's got crazy amounts of customizability. Right. And I think that that's what makes these games really, really unique, which is why I was so happy to see them just go all into that. And also to preserve the look and feel of a Castlevania game without having the Castlevania elements. Yeah, because fuck Konami. Because <laughs> fuck Konami. That's why I thought it was kind of cool that Dracula wasn't in it. And they also took it as an opportunity to do something a little bit different, which is that, I don't know, you don't know who's really the bad guy. Although it's, I mean, it's not exactly like a big, I guess. A big twist. <laughs> There's a reason why we're like not getting into the story here. No, it's not worth anybody's time. It's so dumb. <laughs> yeah. You're mad at a gerbil, and there's crystals everywhere, and I don't know. Uh, David Hater is there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Solid Snake is Dracula now. Uh, yeah, somebody invited Solid Snake. There's a guy everyone calls OD and acts like it's not weird. Um, OD. OD. Old Dirty. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's cool. No, it's yeah. Like I said, I guess I'm realizing that my perspective on it is maybe a little bit niche, but just looking no, at I mean, it's a good game. It's just easy to rag on. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why. Because it's really fun and it's really good, but it's it's got its jank. Well, and that's the thing is that I'm looking at it as an outgrowth of like the GBA games and seeing it as this yeah. really great evolution, but it also is at least in terms of, you know, the marketing plan was like, we're going to make it a little bit more like Symphony of the Night. And Symphony of the Night contains not only horrendous, horrendous voice acting, but also some like <laughs> legendarily bad early meme level lines of dialogue. What is a man? Oh, totally. You know? <laughs> we all know. So I'm kind of wondering, you know, was that the style is that the feel or is it just them trying to replicate what it was and just being like all right we're just not going to worry about it too much you know yeah i don't know <laughs> i like i think it. for the sequel they might they should go for like a 
the Castlevania anime series kind of gritty darkness. That would be cool. That would be cool. Like, I mean, I've definitely said it before that I'm not against things getting better or being good. But I also think that if the roots of it are kind of like janky and shitty and you want to keep some of that in the game, as long as the game is good, I don't mind it and I may even like it, you know? Yeah. So in terms of it being better or worse than Symphony of the Night, I'm probably on the side that it's not as good. Um, I just think the quality of things are too it it varies too wildly in terms of quality especially in things like different areas like because you know it just like in symphony of the night the game's map is broken into these big chunks of areas i don't know um some of them look really great and are super creative and some look like crappy indie games (laughs) it mixes a lot of like flat 2d with two and a half d type stuff and sometimes those art styles clash a lot yeah i agree and also i felt like whenever they tried to play with perspective it was horrible like there's two different bosses that have you on kind of a rotating platform and yes one of them is big so it's not a huge problem but just trying to figure out where you can actually hit the boss is really confusing like if you were using ranged weapons which yeah i frequently was for like my abilities Mm -hmm. um and so on the bit in the stage where it's a bigger spiral it's not that bad but there's one where it's a really small spiral and it's like it's like some fucking mc escher bullshit where it's like dude it's so annoying yeah where's the guy when can i hit the guy i can tell when he's in the foreground kind of and i can tell when he's in the background but anything in between it was like a 50 50 like well i might hit yeah and you just swing and hit him and it's like oh that's cool that felt like uh that game pandemonium (laughs) <laughs> but like <laughs> way more confusing way corny, more corny yeah because like clonoa also did that sort of everything is in sort of a big spiral but when you yeah. make it really tight and small and you don't really make a clear edge it's just yeah it's a mess um so a couple of the standout areas that I really liked. Uh, I really like the train area because you have you need the ID to get through, and you you buzz through the gate just like on a train station. And you jump on the train, and it's it's on the map is just like a long hallway. Yeah, um, but I don't know. It's got a real cool vibe to it. Yeah, uh, the garden you have in here. Yeah, the garden's really cool. The garden's cool also because it was the area that was cut out of the PlayStation Symphony of the Night. Oh. And it was only in the Saturn version. Okay. Uh, so we finally get our garden. Huh. Uh, I didn't know about that. That's cool. I mean, the main part of the castle is really cool. Um, it's big. There's a lot of cool hallways, and the architecture's nice. Yeah. Um, I, I liked the stuff that was more just like gothic castle shit. The yeah, library yeah. is great. I really like the library's that. okay. Yeah. I love the library. I don't know. I love the vibe. It wasn't as memorable as the Symphony of the Night library. I love the Symphony of the Night library. So I, I just thought it was different. Um, yeah. It had a very different vibe to it, but I like that area a lot. It had some it had some cool little like platforming puzzles and stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing too that I was noticing is that when people were reviewing this game, I felt like a lot of them maybe had never played a Castlevania game where it's like, huh. it's not a platformer. These are not platforming games. Like 
They have occasional platforming challenges, but overall your character is very slow and heavy. And it's it's not like a platformer where it's easy to just jump around. So when the platforming challenges happen, it's supposed to be hard as hell. I mean, feel free to disagree, uh, disagree with me there, but I just feel like well, they're not platformers. I mean, like, of course it's a platformer, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's not like... There's platforms everywhere. Right, but like um, it's so much more about the combat and the exploration than it is about yeah. like there are platforms but it's not the focus of the game yeah it's not you're not going to the right the whole time yeah Sometimes you go left and up and down it's like in the same way that i don't think any game where your character can level up is an rpg yeah it's like yeah not every game with platforms is a platformer i mean it's 2d you have to put platforms there somewhere yeah there's no like you're not gonna like jump into a bottomless pit <laughs> exactly that's my point <laughs> reading some of these reviews it was just like well, and I, and I think it's some confusion with the modern Metroidvania games because, like, to keep bringing mm. up Hollow Knight, I mean, Hollow Knight is absolutely a platformer. Like, there are yeah. really difficult platforming challenges, and it's actually one of the few things about the game I really don't like because it gets me into that nice, like, Metroidvania headspace, and then it makes me do really difficult platforming challenges. Like Super Meat Boy shit? Yeah, almost to that level. Yeah. And it's like, dude, what the fuck, guys? Like, come on. Yeah. But yeah, you know, besides those, uh, there's not a lot of like super cool stuff. The bell tower is cool. Yeah, the, the yeah. bell tower is cool, but it's it's not nearly as cool as the Symphony of the Night bell tower. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sensing a theme here. Yeah, it hurts. There's a th- uh, there's a place called the Den of Behemoths where the bad guys are like ten times larger than usual. I thought that was cute, yeah. but not amazing visually or anything. No, I also that area annoyed the piss out of me. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's it's a pretty late late game area, and those those enemies can really kick you in the dick. Yeah, because they're just like early game enemies, but they have a fuck ton of HP, and they're big. Yeah. <laughs> so they don't. I don't think any of them take knockback. Yeah. So they just stand and deliver. It sucks. And there's way too many caves again. Yeah. There's a fire cave. There's an ice cave. There's a desert cave there's and a water cave there's a water cave like you have all of your captain planet elements of caves and there's labs there's like three labs yeah and those don't look say. that cool um there's one that's like green tinted the whole time it looks like dr muto for playstation 2 <laughs> oh damn <laughs> sick uh, burn there's a oriental sorcery lab and you know usually i love like japanese style architecture and stuff but it just looks so generic that it didn't yeah. really do anything for me um, that's well there's one cool bit in there where you're behind shoji screens yes yeah visually it's cool gameplay wise it's very annoying yeah i but... mean shinobi did it 1988 come on <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, it was cu- when it happened though i was like oh that's neat yeah and you, you like know. splatter blood on the shoji screens it's pretty cool yeah like yeah i mean i get what you're saying that there's you know a lot of the areas are just sort of underwhelming yeah and they're not as visually impressive or memorable uh as previous castlevania games areas would have been but they have little touches there's one area in the oriental sorcery lab where there's all the little teleporting yeah the, the things you walk through and they teleport everywhere it just feels yeah. like so janky it feels like a like a bad indie game for a second you think so and they only use it once and then it's gone i don't know it just doesn't feel great yeah all the I warpy mean, stuff in the game doesn't feel great 
You get one where you yeah. like warp through a laser in your hand. That never feels good. And then you get one that's like a little black hole where you warp around. And that doesn't feel good either. Yeah, I could have done without the warping. Yeah. I guess like... Felt a little shoehorned in. Yeah. I guess the thing for me was that it was cool to see a different take on the Castlevania aesthetic. And in it's in 3D, which we haven't seen before, even though the perspective is still 2D. Yeah. Um, so it has a different look and it has a different feel. And I guess I was just continually appreciative of that. So like the first lab I walked into... I was like, oh shit, this is some Shinobi 3 shit. This is not really like <laughs> Castlevania shit. And I did appreciate that. Or the fact that right away it's like, okay, here's your home base. Here's your village you can go back to. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, that's, like you said, that's some shining shit. That's not like Castlevania yeah. shit. Well, also, and, the music is fucking killer the entire time. Yes. So, like, the whole time, yeah. I mean, even if your eyes aren't dazzled, your ears are. Yeah. Like, they got series vets to work on the music. Uh, it is fucking so good. And it's exactly what you want. But it also has some diversity in the arrangement and the types of sounds that you're hearing. That is very cool. I think in the Game Boy Advance ones, occasionally, it got a little samey mm. or it got a little like lo-fi seeming. Um, the only thing is that... The main castle theme is like a complete rip off that song called Crucified by Army of Lovers. Whoa. And I don't know that. Once song. you hear it, you cannot unhear it. Whoa, what? Okay, I'm listening to it, and I got I got ten seconds in before yelling, "Oh what?" <laughs> That's fucking nuts. Yeah, it's like a straight rip. Is that based on a piece of classical music? Uh, probably. It, it sounds real, um, you know, like pastiche. Yeah, I'm wondering if if it's uh, if they're both based on the same like piece of classical music. Because that's insane. That yeah. is just... I heard that song Whoa. on Beavis and Butthead when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. Um, I, that must be a reference, too. Because the, vi- the the aesthetic of this video is yeah. Castlevania. <laughs> it's like gay club Castlevania. I love it. Yeah. Whoa. But it's got that sound you're looking for. The, the music overall in the game. Yeah, it's killer. You know I mean? Yeah. They brought the whole but, the okay. old bands back together. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing for me is that, and once again, maybe this is my perspective as someone who played all the Game Boy Advance and DS ones and loved them. And I guess when I go into a new Castlevania game, I'm not looking for Symphony of the Night. I am. And... <laughs> well, that, that's what I'm saying. We actually have really different perspectives on yeah. it. So I'm not looking for Symphony of the Night. I'm just looking for the next Castlevania game, and I want to see what they're going to do different and how they're going to iterate on the basic design that they've been working on mm-hmm. for, you know, like 20 years now, right? 
And so when I went into this game with that mindset, I was blown away. I was like, man, this is so fucking good. It's so much fun to play. The systems are exactly what I wanted. Yeah. And then when I saw, you know, the aesthetics and the way it looks and the airs and all stuff, I was actually still like really happy because I saw them doing something really different, pursuing something new, not just doing Symphony of the Night again. Right. And I once again, I realize now after looking around the internet, and especially after talking to you, that I'm way in the minority <laughs> here. <laughs> so but that was how I looked at it. So for me, the question isn't even, is it as good or better than Symphony X? I don't fucking care. The question is like, <laughs> did they make a new Castlevania game and does it rip? Did I really enjoy playing whatever 15 hours of it? Yeah. And I'm I definitely going to play more than 15 hours more. The answer to all those things is like, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, it's super good. But I really do feel that kind of as we said earlier, that I think people would have more appreciation for the series as a whole and definitely for this game if they go back and play the Game Boy ones, mm, you yeah. know, like if you go experience those games, you get a feel for what they're working towards. I mean, I would love for like Symphony of the Night and the GBA Castlevania games to get released in some sort of like collection, but I don't see it happening anytime soon, unfortunately. Well, Symphony of the Night is pretty easy to get and the Game Boy ones are not expensive and neither is a Game Boy. Yeah. So... <laughs> Gotta go retro on that one. Just saying, that shit is fucking good. Is it good? <laughs> it good. It good as hell. Yeah, but I had a super good time. Um, and totally, I was I was really not let down when I was totally expecting to be let down. Yeah, it's not mighty number nine. No, well, what is <laughs> Mega Man Seven? I wonder what's worse, Mega Man Seven or Mighty Number Nine. Mega Man 7? Which it's one the was Super that? Nintendo one that's not X. And it sucks. Okay, I was saying, Mega, Mega Man 8 is the one that people make fun of the voice acting, but it's actually a really fun game. I love Mega Man 8. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. But now it's just like exists as a YouTube joke. Yeah. People just like make fun oh, of it. Oh, because the like, Dr. Wowie thing? Dr. Wowie. It's like, whatever. <laughs> dude, I dude. love that. But my favorite thing is that, yeah, A, that rules. And B, it's like some YouTube guy who has a really weird voice like this. And it's like, <laughs> you're making fun of this guy for having like a, a lisp or a speech impediment or something. And it's like, what the fuck do you talk like? Like, even me, it's like, I'm not going to make fun of him because what the fuck do I talk like? I sound like some fucking dumb idiot talking into a microphone. Like, whatever, dude. Like, come back when you're like Charlton Heston right. or something. Mega Man 7, I really, I can't remember this game. I know I've played it. It sucks? It sucks, yeah. It's the worst. It's the worst <laughs> Mega Man game. Did you play that new one, the comeback one? 11? Yeah. So, like, I bought Mega Man 11, I think it released when I was, like, on tour in Japan. No, that was a different tour. That was the U.S. tour that I came back, and I got back mm. at, like, 7 in the morning after driving all night, <laughs> and I just sat down to play Mega Man 11. I, I played it for, like, oh, half an hour, and, like, that's all I ever played of it. It was this, like, crazy, See, like, fever dream playing Mega Man 11 after, like, driving all night. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, so I kind of have a similar experience where I've only played a couple levels, like, at my sister's house because my nephew got it. Uh, I was kind of underwhelmed by yeah, it. Yeah, it's fine. It's not great. And that's w one thing that I'm really going to give Bloodstained is that 
in having to go in a different direction and being like really hardcore about presenting a new experience to the player and iterating on what they've done in the past, they avoided just giving people another symphony of the night that's not as good because right. like imagine if they'd imagine if even they had just remade symphony of the night in unreal engine i don't want to fucking well, play that so okay it is another symphony of the night but not as good but <laughs> it's more than that too it's a lot more than that yeah that's like i don't i'm not gonna disagree with your opinion <laughs> but like it's so much more than that yeah. that that yeah. that is reductive but like like they had the option to to make something that it wouldn't be reductive to describe it in that way and they didn't. And that's how I, sure. that's how I thought about Mega Man 11 where it's like it's fine. It's fine. I mean it, it doesn't it doesn't have a a visual hook. I think it has less character in the visuals than Bloodstained. Yeah, I it, these companies that are making 2D games, they need especially after Arxis did such a great job with the newest Guilty Gear and Dragon Ball Z mm-hmm. games. They need to up their fucking game with these cell shaded 3D games. Yeah, man. No, I I totally agree. And I guess that's that's the thing though is that if someone was going to put Mega Man 11 and Bloodstained side by side, okay, they're both shittier looking than an Arxis game, sure, but like. I think most people would be like, oh, well, Mega Man 11 looks better, but it's just slicker. Like, yeah. it's more polished, but I don't, I think Bloodstained is cooler looking because it's just a wild mess, you know? <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's the Bloodstained visual style is just unbalanced in places, but I like it. <laughs> it's, I don't want to say it's fine because that's, you know, no, it's, it's like, all right. Uh, I've had I had a lot of fun playing this game, so I like uh, this is like just a bunch of nitpicking. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah, I was like, you know, we were we were texting each other. I was like telling you how crack like this game is. Like the gameplay eluded yeah. is super addicting. Like it can look as mediocre as it wants, but it nails the gameplay loop. Yeah, no, it's super addictive, and that's to me what Castlevania is really, really good at. Yeah. And, you know, once again, I think if something nails nails the essence more than it nails all the superficial details, that's way more important. Yeah. You know, and hopefully they make another one and it's better in those regards and just as strong in the gameplay, if not better. I mean, once again, go back to those GBA games. That's what happened over time. Yeah. Is like they put out a first one that is really, really fucking good, but it's kind of janky and has problems. By the time they got to the third one, they made what is probably my favorite Castlevania game. Mm. Well, but see, once again, I'm in the minority here. My favorite Castlevania game is on a fucking Game Boy. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I just have no credibility. Don't listen to me. <laughs> well, I'm I'm in the minority too because my favorite's on the Sega Genesis. So yeah, see, neither of us have any credibility. <laughs> don't listen to us. Yeah. Turn it off. Turn it Turn off. Turn it off. Turn it off. But before you do. Uh, so before you slam this episode closed on your device of choice, uh, just a quick reminder that this episode is brought to you by you. You can go to patreon.com backslash zero brightness to 
help contribute and make the show better and also still exist yes as a uh, patreon bonus if you if you donate thirty dollars i will send you uh some of my bath water oh no (laughs) you're welcome everyone you know james yeah you know what let's do it (laughs) you're just mad dude you're just jealous i'm I'm just jealous I didn't think of it as all, I'm really. Jealous. And also, now I, it's just awkward because I want some, but it's weird for me to tell you that I want some. You know, it's. <laughs> I just have to figure out some way to get it. But, yeah, yeah. It's awkward. You get one, um, you get one little jar of it, uh, $30 a month. I'll send you yeah. a jar of my bath water once a month. It's good for, It's good for your complexion, helps with digestion. Yeah. It's great, dude. And, um, just, you know, if you're thirsty, if you're a thirsty hoe. <laughs> Um, if you're not yet at that tier of support, you can at least follow us on Facebook. We're Zero Brightness. And we're also on Instagram as Zero Brightness Pod. Um, yeah, I've been I've been trying to up my meme game on there. So tune yeah, in. Good memes and there is no moisture involved. So that's mm. usually a plus for your electronic devices. Stay dry. Uh, you also may or may not know that zero brightness is a club and you can be a member by playing the games along with us yes what's next james oh boy (laughs) (laughs) we're playing deadly premonition kind of and you kind of can too (laughs) rainy woods you can kind of play deadly premonition yeah, so um, I played it on the PC, and James is currently in that hell world. Uh-huh. Uh, the PC port is basically unplayable. If you can play it on 360, do it. It's a great meta game. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to yeah. get it to run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's brutal. Um, yeah, but that's going to be a great episode. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's going to be after that. So you'll just have to stay tuned. I mean, realistically, that's going to be two episodes because we're going to start talking about Twin Peaks and we both have a problem, so. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Let's stretch it out. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm just going to call it now. And if I'm wrong, then uh, you, <laughs> I'll send you a jar of my bathwater. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Aces. I guess that's it. See you, see yeah. you thirsty hoes next time. <laughs>